This is our second week on in this month that we're studying servanthood. Last week we talked about uh, the overall theme of being a servant and that that is the highest title that you can be called. Imagine if, you know, today probably in the world a secular title would be um, doctor or PhD, right? Or a CEO, right? Or billionaire. You know, those are some really... In the world, big big deals. If you are a chairman of the board, or if you if you have your PhD or your your masters or something, but in God's world and scheme of things, the highest title you can be called is servant. Isn't that awesome? If I can be truly His servant, if I'm a servant of God, you know what that means. In that one little word, it says so much. It means I belong to Him. It means that I'm I'm in His service. It means. I am belonging to the man. That means he's going to have to provide for me. That means he's going to give me orders. He's going to give me a commission. There's going to be things that he's going to tell me to do. And that's what we're studying this month is servanthood, becoming a servant. And this week we're going to to focus on the call to being a servant, being called to be a servant. Our, Our focus scripture is from Matthew 20 and 25. Uh, when Jesus said, but it shall not be so among you, but whosoever shall be great among you, let him be your minister. In other words, let him be your servant. If it's a little warm, I can turn down the heat. I don't know. Some people are fanning themselves. Some people putting on their coats. Um, That's right. Uh, I don't want to divert from the lesson, but I heard a story that uh, the pastor, the people were always complaining that the heat wasn't right in the church. So he went and he put a, a, a dial, a thermostat on the back and said, you guys can set it any way you want it. And after, after that, the, the complaints stopped. But of course, it was never hooked up. <laughs> but just because people felt they had control, uh, that stopped the complaints. But to get back to our lesson, Jesus said, whosoever of you want to be great, you have to be a servant. You have to minister to others. And that is so contrary to the world, right? I asked last week, do you know of any really, or is it possible? (laughs) Let me put it this way. I'm sure it's possible, but it doesn't seem very likely that there is a a CEO that's a nice person. They all seem to be jerks. (laughs) To get where they, they had, they had to climb over so many dead bodies and, 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 and fight. But you know, in God's kingdom, it's not that way. Moses didn't want the job. God said, I'm going to choose you to lead two million people out of, out of Egypt. You know, no, he didn't want that job. He started making excuses right away. Well, I can't speak. I'm not trained. <laughs> now, he had been raised in Pharaoh's court. He had gone to the best that was available for that ancient civilization. He could probably speak many languages. He had probably been trained in the very, he, was, he had been the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. But think about it. When God said, now, I want, I've got a job for you. To lead all these people immediately, he says, well, I stutter. I don't speak properly. I can't do it. (laughs) Because it's such a daunting task to be a servant of God. Because what it means, he's going to put you on commission. There's going to be things you're going to be asked to do. And sometimes it's not going to be easy things. But that's what we're called to. So... The first week, last week, we did about a servant's heart. What does it mean to have a servant's heart? And this week, we're going to study about the call to serve, how, how God calls people to serve. In fact, Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You know, without God coming to us and working on our hearts, we wouldn't be here. On a Sunday morning, as I said, the bed always feels so good on Sunday morning, doesn't it? You just don't want to get out, especially when the weather has now dropped. It's so much easier to stay in bed. But we are called. The Bible says that he calls us. And then, of course, next week we're going to study the examples of servanthood in Jesus and Paul. And then we're going to study the challenges of serving. Because as I said, serving the master comes with some challenges. Amen. And lastly, there are some rewards for being a servant of the Most High God. Amen. So let's start with with this week's topic, which is the call to serve. And 
It starts with making yourself available. Here's what Romans says, and making yourself presentable. God can't use you if you're in a mess. Because how can you serve others when you yourself need a whole lot of help? Right? A doctor can only give medical treatment to you if he's not in the hospital. If he himself is sick and needing surgery, he can't treat you. In fact, he would be doing damage to you or passing on something that he has. That's why we've got to make sure that our wounds, our hurts, are not transferred to people when we're witnessing to them. You know, and, and all our pain and suffering. So Paul is saying that before you can even get into that position, he says you've got to present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is just our reasonable service. If you want to serve, you have to come ready to serve, right? Many times I've, I've come to the church to do work and forgotten all my tools. <laughs> it's so frustrating. I come in and I had all the, and then, then I realized I'm not prepared. I can't do anything. I didn't bring my, my drill, my, my, my stuff, and I have to search around the church to see if, if we have some tools here. I did not come prepared to serve. You have to come prepared. The Bible tells us we have to present ourselves a living sacrifice. God does not want dead sacrifices anymore. He's wanting you to be alive so that he can use you. And verse 2 says, the process of that is be not conformed to this world. Peer pressure is one of the strongest forces, especially for teenagers. You know, you see the fashions change and everybody, you know, is doing what the fashion says. And then years later, you see those photos and you look at yourself and you say, man, did I wear that? <laughs> you know, you guys are too young, but you, you remember platform shoes? <laughs> platform. And then there was, I guess now I don't know what is it, skinny jeans? I don't know what it is. But you look at those pictures from the 30s and you see those zoot suits, you know, those big old baggy suits. And you go, wow. <laughs> because we are creatures of peer pressure. But the Bible is telling us if you're going to be the servant of the living God, you can't be conformed to this world. But you've got to be transformed. How? By having a new mind, by thinking differently, by understanding. The Bible says that the truth makes you free, makes you free of pressure. Right? You know you don't have to be like that anymore because you can be different. Now, if you don't know you can be different, you give up and you say, well, this is the way I was born. This is my natural tendency. This is what I want to do. But the Bible says knowing that you can change, the truth sets you free, can make you free. So Paul here is saying that the call to serve starts with us presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. That means a cost. A sacrifice is not something that is free. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your personal desires, the way you want to go, the way you want to do things. But be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove, that, may, that you will understand what is God's will. Why am I here? What is my per Am I just existing? Am I just waking up to go to work to make money to come next day and repeat it? Groundhog Day, right? So that you may prove... What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Someone said the, the safest place to be is not in a safe room or in a vault, but it's in the will of God. If you're in the will of God, that's the safest place you can be. I've said this before, but we had a missionary visit us one time, and he was a missionary to one of these countries where they're having war and they're killing Christians and he was telling his experience of how just on the way to the airport, bombs exploding, the IEDs in the road, and people being kidnapped. And he said, though, that you can't die. He's learned that you can't die if you have a commission, right? If you, if you are the servant of God and he's got a plan for your life, you cannot die until you have completed that thing. There's so much evidence in the Bible of that. Simeon, right? He was an old, old man, and God had told him, you're not going to die until you see the salvation of Israel. Until you see the Messiah, you're not going to die. 
God gave him that promise. So even though he was way up in his 80s, maybe beyond uh, many of the people of his day, you know, maybe most of his friends had already died. But every day he went to the temple because he'd been given this promise. And then one day, Mary and Joseph came in with the baby Jesus. And immediately he knew that the promise had been... What I'm trying to tell you is if you're a servant and you've been given a commission, that's the best life insurance policy you can get. This missionary said he knew he couldn't die because he was on a commission. Look at the life of Paul, and I'm getting way ahead. That's next week's. But just look at it. Look at how many times people tried to kill him. He said he was thrice whipped with 39 lashes. He was shipwrecked so many times. He was stoned so many. And they could not kill him. Why? Because God had given him a promise that he would testify before kings and emperors. Until he testified to the emperor Nero, he couldn't die. He could not die. And this is amazing. So when we start to give ourselves to true servanthood and God gives us a commission, that's better than whole life, term life, Whatever policy you think, being a servant of the living God, until you have fulfilled what God has called you to, you cannot die. The three Hebrew boys, Nebuchadnezzar said, listen, if you don't bow down to this image, if you don't conform to what everybody else is doing, I'm going to throw you in this fire. Right? But because they were servants, they said, the God that we serve. Remember what they said? The God whom we serve is able to deliver us from out of your hand. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. When you're the servant of the living God and you have a commission and you have presenting yourself, you cannot die. I'll, I'll stop there with that. Let's read on. Be not conformed. He was trying to pressure those young people to do what everybody else was doing. Bow down to the image under pain of death. And not just any death but burning alive. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, once you are presentable, then you do need some training. Before Jesus left them, he was with his disciples how many years? Three and a half years. They were being trained even though they didn't know it. Do you understand that for the greatest job you have, you, you, you are trained one way or the other. The greatest job you have is life. Now, if you want to be a doctor, you think you can open an office and put a sign open for medical practice? No, you try that. You know what will happen? Very shortly, the police will be showing up and you'll be marched outside. Why? Because you're not trained. You have no qualifications. And yet for the very, for the most important thing, living and life, we are trained, but it depends on our family situation. We don't choose the family we're born into. And yet, even though we don't understand it, we're being trained because we are watching and learning from our parents or lack of parents, right? And we're being trained. Jesus did this with his disciples. They walked with him. They ate with him. They sleep, slept with him. And they were being trained. After you're called, you need some training. Before being able to serve effectively, you do need to be trained. Matthew 4.19. So he's walking by the sea of Galilee. And he saith unto them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. He tells them what the commission is going to be. If you want to be my servant, come. I'm going to give you a whole nother level of commission. Instead of just getting fish, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Mark 1.17, Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. There was a training. There was a thing they had to go through. Paul tells Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God. Now, it's great that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And if there is a need, the Holy Spirit can supernaturally give you what you are to say. But that doesn't mean you don't read your Bible, you don't come to church, you don't try to understand God, that you don't develop a relationship. Because if you're in love with someone, you want to be with them all the time. You know, you don't know what you were talking about on the phone for four hours. 
It's like nothing. Oh, man, were we on the phone for four hours? <laughs> and you can't even say what you were talking about. Right? When you're, when you're in truly love someone, you want to be in their presence. You want to... Ex- and, and you can't even put your finger on it, what you talked about. It's just being in their company. So if you love God and you want to be used, it's not the fact that we're not filled with the Spirit, but he also wants us to know him. How do you know somebody? All of you with partners right now, do you know what your partner's favorite color is? You do? Somebody called me up the other day and asked me, because <laughs> I guess they wanted to give Sister Brownie a gift, and they asked me, and I had to kind of think, because it's been a... <laughs> I thought I knew... But here's another thing. If I knew 20 years ago, she may have changed. I hope I've kept current with what her, you know, and that's why marriages either fail or continue is that they know what it is at the beginning, but they don't keep in love. They don't keep growing together. Yeah, red could have been her color, which it wasn't, but who knows if it's changed. And then, you know, I, I started to doubt myself. I told the person, I thought what it was, and I started to doubt, you know, I I better ask her. (laughs) So I said, what is your favorite color? And then she started giving me a range of colors. (laughs) And I got into a bit of a panic. Because I thought I knew. But then she said the color that I told the person. I said, okay. So we have to study. We have to study to know God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That means you can wrongly divide. You can say stuff about God that's not true. That's not in the Bible. It's just your opinion. And people do it all the time. You know? People do it all the time. I heard we were in a a minister's teaching yesterday. And uh, the, the, the person who was teaching... Uh, made a quotation that you hear all the time. Uh, And he said, is that what it says? And at first I thought, yeah, that's what it says. He says, no, that's not what it says. Go look it up. (laughs) What was it? Acts. All right, Brother Tim was there. What did he say, Brother Tim? It doesn't say that. It doesn't exactly say that. The people asked, what should we do? They didn't say, what should we do to be saved? His point was, if that's all your goal is to get into church and then just sit there. But but what really the goal is, is to not just be saved, is but to be like Jesus. Because that's a goal that doesn't stop. If, If just baptism and being filled with the Spirit is your goal, then you've reached it. Okay, you can fold your hands and sit back and say, okay, God, it's all on you now. But if your goal is to be like Jesus, it doesn't stop. That's why Paul could say at the end of his life, it's not as if I have arrived or attained, but I'm still pressing, I'm still fighting to be like Jesus. So that's why a servant has to know what the master wants, right? You have to know his favorite color. I know what God's favorite color for me is. I've taught that, right? I've taught about the colors, right? Anyone know what I think God's favorite color for us is? Blue. Blue, why? Because it represents grace. And I'm not going to teach that again, but you'll notice that all the things in the tabernacle were covered with blue when they were hidden so that you didn't, you didn't look on them directly. The, the, the Ark of the Covenant, when it had to be moved, it was covered with a veil of blue representing God's grace because we could not look on the Ark of the Covenant directly. And of course, the Bible speaks about let us come to a throne of grace. And Ezekiel, when he saw the throne, he said it had a it was called a sapphire throne. What color is sapphire? Blue. I've gone off topic. But anyway, we're to study to show ourselves approved. If we're going to be a workman, we have to come prepared. Before I come to church, there's several things I have to make sure I have if I'm going to teach you today. I have to have my laptop. I have to have my notes. I have to have certain things all set out. Else when I come here, I'll be scrambling around. Now, I could probably teach it from my head, but that's not being prepared, is it? So when 
you are presenting yourself, you come prepared, and then you can be called to serve. You can be called to serve. We have an example of this in many examples, but the one that I'm going to focus on today is is service that's not necessarily behind this pulpit. Because, in fact, that is the greatest work. Most of what I do as pastor is not behind this pulpit. It's calling people during the week. It's talking to people. It's meeting with people. That's what the work of service really is because many people can get up here and preach better or whatever than, than, than I can, but that's not what a pastor is all about. It's, it's serving the congregation. Let's look at what happened in the New Testament. In the early church, just because they were filled with the Holy Spirit and so close to Pentecost, that doesn't mean they were not still human. And because we're flesh, we're going to bring our baggage when we come to church. By that, I mean our biases, our preconceived notions of how things could be. And this caused a fuss in the early church. It seemed that there was certain biases being exhibited towards the Greek Christians, that their widows, their, their, their people were not getting served. And this finally came to the attention of the apostles. And they says, we can't have this. There can't be uh, some people being served better than others. So we have to do something about this. And so they called some people to service. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Don't think that the things we go through in church are different from there. Because they were still humans. You're still going to have issues. You're going to have people with sharp elbows. With, 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 you know, because God calls all people. Bible says in a great house, there are all kinds of vessels. Some to honor, some to dishonor. But you don't have to stay that way. The Bible says, but if you want to be used, you can clean yourself up. You can get underneath the, the tap of God's spirit of the word and you can present yourself and make yourself acceptable. So because of this disparity in the service, the disciples, the apostles said, we have to appoint some people who are going to serve the secular needs. This wasn't preaching necessarily. There were some needs in the church organization. See, for me to get up here on a Sunday morning, there's got to be a lot of stuff done. Brother Joe's been fixing the bathrooms. Brother Tim fixed the railing out there. There's got to be a lot of stuff done. There's, there's people have to come in here and fix the heating. There's the carpet has, there's a lot of stuff has to be done. And this is all still part of the church and the body of Christ. And there arose a murmuring against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So the disciples and the apostles said, wherefore brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. They had to be ready to be appointed. They had to have a good reputation. They had to be. You can't serve unless you're trusted. If you don't trust me, I can't be your pastor. Because nothing I say will come across to you with any weight. So you have to have, the Bible says, you have to have good report, not only inside the church, but outside the church. So it does matter. People say it doesn't matter what people think. Well, it does if you're going to serve. If you don't care about serving, maybe that's true. Maybe it only matters what God thinks if you're just going to sit there. But if you're going to be used to minister to other people, then it does matter what people think about you. Amen. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And they commissioned them to this service, which some people said, well, I don't want to do that. Why can't I be a preacher? But this was service just as much and was absolutely necessary for the growth of the church because it was causing a dispute. It was causing a division. So serving comes in many forms. Amen. We're a body. 
right? We're a body. I need, I need you and you need me. You know, if you've ever hurt your toe, that's when you really notice how important it is. <laughs> if you have an ingrowing toenail, then you realize how much you really use that thing for balance and for all kinds of stuff. And as you see people coming, you tend to draw that foot back a little bit out of the way just in case somebody steps on it, right? It becomes important. So when a part of the body is hurt, what do you do? You protect it. Isn't that what you do? You cover it. When, you, when a part of the body is hurt, you kind, of band, you, you kind of hold it back so it's out the way. September, uh, I think Labor Day, Labor Day, I think it was, uh, I went into work and it was closed. And I went in there anyway because I, I had some stuff to do. And the lights were off. I probably t- told you about this. And I was too lazy and I didn't want to turn on any of the lights. a huge, big office. And, and I went to my desk and I wasn't really paying attention. I had my phone walking around. And there was a box around the corner. <laughs> and I tripped over the box. And I fell very heavily on my knee. And since then, I told you about that, right? And it, and it was giving me so much pain and, 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 and trouble. So... For several weeks, I kind of walked around with this foot a little bit back. And when I was getting in the car, I was extremely careful because it was so sensitive. If you touched that kneecap, boy, there was just such excruciating. You know what I was doing? I was protecting the part that was damaged. Think about that. That's what we're supposed to do. Members one of another. Amen. So serving comes in many forms. You're all serving If you're serving, amen. So now, how does this begin? We said you have to present yourself and you have to be ready to serve. You got to be available. And then the call, what is the call? What was, what was the first thing Jesus said to those disciples? Okay. Yeah. He was walking by the shore and he saw, follow me. The call starts with follow me. That's the call to service. Follow me. That means do what I'm doing. Right? Follow me. Luke 5.10. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. They had a fishing business on the lake of Galilee. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all. And followed him. This took great faith. Here's this guy you don't really know. You've heard about, but you don't know. Some say he's the Messiah. And he comes and he comes on your ship and you catch a supernatural catch of fish. You know it's supernatural, right? And he suddenly says, leave your business. Leave everything you're doing and follow me. That's what I'm talking about, sacrifice. First thing most of us would say, would look him up and down and say, who are you? Don't you understand? I have responsibilities. I have things to do. Who to tell how many people Jesus had said, follow me, and they hadn't followed? Because we don't know their names. We never hear their stories. If you're going to be great, you're going to have to start with following Jesus. And when they brought their ships to land, here's the great verse. They forsook all. Think about that. They left everything they had. I'm I'm following him. I believe he's the Messiah. They put faith in him, even though they had just recently met him. See, when we're called, we have to follow. There's an example in the Old Testament of what God says about a servant. And he, of the two people, of the millions, the two million that came out of Egypt, only two people, think about this. Only two people made it all the way from Egypt into the promised land. Here's what the Bible says about that in Numbers 32, 11. Surely none of the men that came out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob. Because, why did those other people not see the land? Because they have not wholly followed me. Yeah, they partially followed but they didn't do it 100%. They partially followed. Yeah, I'll serve him this month. 
I'll do right this week. But next week it's tax time and I have to do a little fudging. <laughs> I have to do a little bit of fudging. God said, surely none of the men that came out of Egypt that were above 20 years old are going to make it. Why? Because they did not follow me with their whole heart. Even though they had seen the greatest miracles the world has ever demonstrated. God, the reason why God gives great punishment sometimes is because he's already given great miracles, great deliverance. So you already know the truth. You're just being stubborn. You're just being ordinary. The only two people who were over 20 years old that made it in who had left Egypt were Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the, Kenzen, the Kenzen, Kenezite, and Joshua, the son of Nun. And why was the reason they made it? What does the last verse say? For they wholly followed the Lord. That means totally. They left it all on the table. They weren't holding anything back. We want God to do all kinds of miracles, open all kinds of doors, do all kinds of stuff, fix everything for us. But we're not wholly following him. We're not really totally committed. We got all kinds of other priorities in our lives. But Lord, now you, you drop everything else. Show up on my doorstep and do this great miracle. I really need you now, Lord. Well, where were you when God was saying, follow me? Where were you? Were you following? Whole? That's why all those people above 20 years old, only two people made it the 40 years from Egypt to Canaan. Think about that. Because only two people were committed to following totally. So the call to serve starts with follow. That means he's going to go before you do what he does. You follow in his footsteps. Let's look at a, a, a New Testament example. And we'll be going in much more detail next week about Paul. But you know, he was going around killing Christians, putting them in prison, ignorantly because he thought he was doing God's service. And as he journeyed, Acts 9, chapter 9, verse 3, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. See, our calls are not always going to be the same way. God may call you through some strange circumstance. Someone may be just be walking by the church and they hear the music. They come. Otherwise, someone may have given them a track years ago. They open the drawer and then for one, one day they open it and say, you know, I'm going to read this. Our calls are going to be different because you know what? We're all starting from different places. We're all starting from different places, but our journeys to the same place. Paul's call had to be dramatic because he was so sure he was right. He was so steeped in the law. It had to be a supernatural call to really, you know, people say, yeah, God has got to speak to me personally before I believe. And in Paul's case, that was true. He wouldn't, he couldn't have been persuaded by the gospel. He had to have a direct interruption in his life for him to believe. And God was so merciful, and Paul spoke about this so many, how gracious God was to even do that. God doesn't owe us anything. Not really. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice. The other thing about this is the call is personal. The people who were around him did not hear the voice. All they heard was a noise. God's call to you is going to be personal. That's why you have to be ready to be sensitive to listening. Because you don't know when that call is going to come. And he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. At that time his name was still Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Why are you fighting me? And this was the first time I guess Saul was so sure he knew who God was. He asked a question, who are you? Who, who are you serving? Who are you really following? Sometimes we need that Damascus Road experience to kind of make us question, what are we doing with our lives? Where are we going with this? Where is the end destination? Is it just what's happening next week, next day? What satisfies me? Do we have a plan? Did God create you for a purpose? 
Who art thou, Lord? Verse 6 is, is interesting. And trembling, and here's the key word, and astonished. This showed you he had no idea. He was astonished to find out that this Jesus who he'd been persecuting was really the Lord God himself. He trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me do? That's what we really, if you're going to be a servant, the reply to, to God is, what will you have me do? What do you want with my life? What is your plan for my life? Where am I supposed to go, Lord? What? Because I tell you, when he calls you, he has a plan. He didn't just call you to just be called. He has a direction and a plan because you are part of the body. Do you know, you ever met anyone exactly like you? No. Our fingerprints, our fingerprints are unique. Our fingerprints are unique. Even twins, identical twins, their fingerprints are unique. God has called you uniquely. He created, there's, there's only one of you. You know what makes certain pictures so expensive? There's only one of them. I didn't get to go to the Louvre Museum in France. I drove by it. We were in Paris and, a, and they took a bus turn. We saw the Louvre. It looks like on top it's a big old pyramid thing. But in there is this picture by Michelangelo. And they don't even, I don't even know if they put a price on it. It's so unique. It's one of a kind. Do you understand you are one of a kind? One of a kind. There is not another one like That means you are precious to God. You are valuable to God. He didn't make two of you. And so he has a special purpose in creating you. Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Our response to the call is, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is the purpose for my life? I tell you, if you will fulfill that, that will be where you will be the most happiest and fulfilled person. When you're called to serve, if you can say, Lord, use me and mean it, because we all say, yes, Lord, use me. But as soon as the, the going gets tough, well, I'm not so sure, Lord. Use him. Use her. <laughs> when I moved to Michigan, I told you the story, right? My determination was to sit in the back of the church and do nothing. Because I'd been at a church where it was a very small church and we had to do everything. I'm teaching, everything. So I said to my wife, <laughs> let's find it. When we move, let's find a big church where they don't need us. Where we can just come, be good Christians, sit at the back. Pay our tithes and offerings, sing, clap our hands, go home. And that was my plan. That was, I didn't want, didn't want to be used. After four or five months, the pastor came and said, okay. I didn't, he didn't say it in these words, but I can hear, hear the Lord speaking to me. Rest time is over. <laughs> and little by little, he just kept on giving me more stuff to do. Now I'm teaching the young adults. Now I'm doing this. Now we're on the board. <laughs> now I'm the secretary treasurer. Now I'm preaching. <laughs> See, but here's the one thing I realized. Even though my flesh wanted to say no, because that was my plan. When asked, I said, yes, pastor. I'm going to answer the call. Not because I wanted to, but I knew what God had given me. To whom much is given... Have you been given much? Have you been blessed? Is there anything that you can give to God? Yes, we can all give thanks. Everybody can give thanks. But has God given you anything that you can use to bless, to serve others? Paul was so shocked, so astonished to find out who it was he had been fighting. He trembling said, Lord... What will that, that's the, that's the answer God is looking. He's saying, what will you, what will you use me for, Lord? If we will always say yes to God, then when we ask him, he will say yes to us. And there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, behold, I am here, Lord. 
Again, you notice how servants answered the master. They just say, yes, behold, I'm, I'm here. I'm here to serve. What would you have me do? Now, this was not something Ananias wanted to do. God said, I want you to go pray for this guy, Saul. <laughs> Ananias decided he would talk with the Lord back. Hey, Lord, uh, by the way, do you know who this guy is? He's coming to kill Christians. He's come. He's got letters from the from the high priest, and he comes to Damascus. He's going to arrest. Are you sure? <laughs> you know what we do? We say to God, "Are you sure about this?" Come on, now you do. We we ask God, "Are you?" Sure? We ask God, "Is he sure about this?" Think about that. God says to do something. We start like, "Are you sure about this? You sure you want me?" And the Lord said, arise and go into the street, which is called straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth and hath seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Ananias said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Lord, are you, he was really saying, Lord, are you, you sure you know who this man is? <laughs> God, do you, do you really know what's going on here? We do that. We may laugh, but that's exactly what we do. And God tells us, we, we start to, are you sure, God? And the Lord said unto him, go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel. See, when God calls you and he chooses you, he makes you a chosen vessel. He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. See, God had a a plan for Saul's life. He had a commission. And this is why once Paul accepted it, he couldn't die. Not until he had completed the job. But with that commission, there was going to be some suffering. There was going to be some sacrifice. There was going to be some hardship. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. See, we want... The title, we want the position, we want to be used by God, but we don't want verse 16. No, Lord, just use me, but I don't want any suffering. I don't want any struggle. I don't want any fight. I don't want any people talking about me. I don't want to get in trouble at work. I don't want people looking at me like I'm a nutcase. But use me. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name. That's part of the call. That's part of the call. Because being called also means being called to sacrifice. Matthew 19, 28. And this is the part about following holy. You see, we, we all here are saying, oh yes, Lord, I'm 100%. But here's the test, here's the test. And Jesus said unto them, verily or truly I say unto you, that ye which have followed me, in the regeneration, in the new creation, in other words, when the Son of Man shall sit on in the throne of his glory, he shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve trials, tribes of Israel. Verse 29, and everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, that means family, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold. And still inherit everlasting life. There will be a reward for the sacrifice. But there is a sacrifice in truly following God, right? There is a sacrifice in in doing what's right. It's going to cost you something. When you're called, if you're going to be a servant, it means putting away what you want to do. A servant doesn't do what they want to do. A servant does what the master wants them to do. Amen. A servant does the master's business. 
Matthew 25, 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered them his goods. Do you understand that once you come to Christ, you've been given some stuff? Did you know that? Not only did you get the Holy Ghost, but he said when he ascended, he gave gifts unto men. He's given you some stuff. Jesus was telling this parable for a reason. He was likening it unto what he was going to do when he went away. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Now, I was talking to someone last night on the phone and we were discussing this because I was trying to point out to them that God doesn't expect of you more than you can do. So he's a fair God. He's going to judge you by what you knew and what you did with what you knew. He's not expecting you to do stuff you don't know because as you read this parable, the one who was given two got exactly the same commendation as the one who was given five. Blessed, thou faithful servant, welcome into the, to the, to the uh, blessing of the Lord. He said the same thing to the one who had five as the one had two. So it's not a matter of the fact whether you can preach or teach. It's a matter of what are you doing with the talent you have been given? You're a servant. What are you doing with the gift, the gift he has given? Then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them another five. And likewise, he that received two, he also gained another two. And you know this story. The one who had been given one, he was satisfied. He was going to do like me, right? Just come to church and sit there. <laughs> but and when the master came, he says, look, see, I'm here. I got your talent. But that's not what God wants. If we're a servant... We have to serve. We have to serve. We're called to serve. But God is just. He doesn't expect of you more than what you have been given. Right? But to those who have been given much, much is required. If he's given you all kinds of talents, you know, I can't, I'm not so good at, at, at sawing and, and putting up sheetrock and all that stuff. I, I marvel at Brother Joe. You wouldn't want to see the, 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 my, my handiwork creation. Now give me, give me a computer and some electronics and that kind of design. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at that. But you have other talents. But the body has to work together. We serve as one body. One body. So God has given each of us gifts. When he calls us, he equips us. Amen. And the, there are gifts that are given to serve. Here's 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received, not for yourself. What does it say? To serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do that as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves... They should do so with the strength that God provides them. So that in all things, whichever way you're serving, God is still glorified. Amen. Cleaning is not my strong suit. But every time I see, you know, Shanita, they're here and they're, they got their music on and they're, they're just cleaning the church and enjoying it. Amen. They're enjoying it and... I'm so grateful to God that they enjoy it. You know, I would do it, but I'm not sure I would be enjoying it. <laughs> Whatever you do, the Bible says, with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So there are, there are different gifts. There's nine gifts called out in one place, seven in another. I just want to go. There are gifts of revelation. And that's about speaking. That's about saying something, right? There are gifts of power. That means doing something, right? Cleaning is a gift of power. That's doing something. And it takes some strength and power to, to clean this church or to work on the bathroom or to fix something. And there, there, then there are gifts of inspiration. 
that's revealing something. Let me, let me go over them. So the gifts of revelation is word of wisdom when God supernaturally gives you some, some knowledge, a word of knowledge, and of discerning of spirits. Then the gifts of power are faith because it takes faith to move things, working of miracles, gifts of healings. You see, sometimes we just concentrate on one thing. Okay, let's just speak in tongues. But there's a lot more than that. A lot more than that. Gifts of inspiration, that, that's prophecy, gift of unknown tongues, gift of interpretation of tongues. God has given all of you at least one gift. Did you know that? Yes. Now, don't answer me, but do you know your gift? Yes. Do you know your gift? Yes. Think about that. If all of us were using the gifts that God gave us, wouldn't that be tremendous? Right? Don't be like me. I was trying to hide. God was merciful. He didn't let me hide. And I felt so bad that I had to say yes. Whenever he asked me, I don't think I ever said no, not once. Not once. He would come and ask me, would you do this? And I never said no. In my flesh, why would he ask me? I don't want him to ask me. I don't want him to ask me. But I could not say no because I had conviction that if I said no, I was saying no to God. And God has blessed me. And blessed me and blessed me and blessed my children and everything that he's given me, he's blessed me. I have no excuse. I would be ungrateful. And so I could never say no. So we have to be, when we're called, fulfill what God has called us to do. Jesus told a parable about this, about two sons. The father went to one of the sons and said, will you go to the vineyard and work in my vineyard? And he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm your man, dad. I'm pops. I'm going to I'll be there at first light. Second son said, no, no, I'm not going. No, I'm not doing that. No, you have other people can do that. Matthew 21, 28. Jesus was asking his disciples. He taught them through parables. And then he would ask them questions to lead them to see if they could work out what was the truth. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. That was me. (laughs) I was not going to work. But afterwards, he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. So which of these two actually did the father's will they say unto him the first jesus saith and verily i send you that the publicans the people you think are unsaved and unholy they're going to get in the kingdom earlier than you because you're saying you're doing it but you're not doing it and on the face of it they're saying they're not doing it but in the end they repent and do it that the publicans the heart the prostitutes Go into the kingdom of God before you. We have to fulfill the call to serve by not just saying it, but you know what our prayer should be in the morning? Not asking God for what he's going to do for us, as Kennedy said, but ask what we can do for God. Wouldn't that be a turnaround? You wake up in the morning and say, God, thank you for waking me up. Lord, what can I do for you today? And not ask him for anything. What kind of prayer would that be? Wouldn't that please God? Wouldn't that please God? Instead of us asking, look, God, what can, all this laundry list of stuff that we need. Because the Bible says he already knows. I challenge you, tomorrow morning when you wake up, instead of asking God for anything, pray and say, God, how can you use me today? How can I be your servant? Lead me to someone who I can encourage, who I can lift up, or I can give a word to. Like, like you with that lady. See, God seems to let that happen to you all the time. You know why? Because that's not the first testimony of you picking up people. It's because you are willing. He's not going to let that happen to people who are not willing. I challenge you this week. Let your first prayer be, Lord, what can I do for you? How can you use me to? I, I think that would be pleasing to God. The Bible says if a man way, man's ways please God, what's, what's he going to do? 
See, we're praying the wrong way. We're asking God to, to make our enemies peaceful instead of asking God, what can we do for you? Because again, if God then gives you a commission, what did I say? You can't die. God has got to make the way for the commission to happen. However it happens. See, so fulfilling the call means not just saying, yes, I'm going to go. Or yes, I'm going to do it. But actually doing it. Part of the call to serve is, of course, why you're doing it. And you got to do it out of love. If you're doing something out of obligation... You're not going to do it very well. But if you want to do it, if you love doing it, it becomes easy. Let's look at this. After the resurrection, Peter and the disciples, they didn't know what to do. They were somewhat confused. So they went back to doing what they had done when Jesus first called them. They went back exactly to where they were when he called them, right back to fishing. And he had to repeat the whole thing again. You know the story. They go fishing and Jesus appears on the beach and they've been fishing again all night. He repeats the miracle that he did right at the beginning when they first saw him. And they they see Jesus and they supernaturally catch fish again. And they realize that it's Jesus. And Peter jumps out the boat. You know why? He's got conviction. The last time he saw Jesus, he was saying, I don't even know who this man is. He cussed. He swore. Think about that. I don't know who this man is. And he had conviction because Jesus repeated the same miracle that called him. And he cooked and provided a meal for them. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? He had gone back to what he'd been called from. Jesus is asking us, because we've been in the church, have you gone back to what he called you from? Do you really love all these desires more than me? Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Then do what I called you for. I commissioned you to feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Then feed my sheep. Love is proved in our actions, not in our words. Right? He saith unto him the third time. Some of us is on the third time. It's the third time God has spoken to us. Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me? Peter was grieved. He was feeling a little bit funny about this. Because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. How many times will God have to say to us, Feed his sheep, when he has called us to serve And it comes down to, he's asking, do you love me? Is there something in your life that's more important than me? You're going to go back to fishing, going back to doing what you were doing before I called you? Because I called you to serve, Peter. I told you three and a half years ago, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. I have a job for you that's way above fishing for fish. This is changing people's lives. This is being an influence in people's lives. This is bringing them to me. And you've gone back to fishing. Do you really love me? Because the call to serve has also to be answered with, yes, Lord, I love you. More than anything. Now, something else happened in this little incident, because and this, is, this is like us too. When God calls us, we look at somebody else. Well, what are you going to do with him? After Jesus spoke to Peter, Peter looked and he saw John. You know, in John's book, The Disciple Whom Jesus Loved. Of course, John wrote that. (laughs) And he looked at Jesus and said, well, 
You want me to feed, feed your sheep and your life? What about him? See, we try and deflect when God calls us. What about this person? What, you going to use them too? Let's look at that. Then Peter turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved. But you have to remember, this is in the book of John. So John wrote that. <laughs> Following, which also leaned on the breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeing him say to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? See, we love to ask God about other people instead of doing what we're called to do, right? We're not somebody else's servant. We're God's servant. Serve him. So Peter seeing him say to Jesus, Lord, well, what about him? You got a job for him? Jesus, in other words, says, well, mind your own business. Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? You just focus on doing what? Follow thou me. Don't look at other people and seeing what God is doing with them. You focus on me. You're my servant. You have said you love me. You've said you're going to follow me. Well, then don't worry about him. I'll deal with him separately. Follow thou me. We're too concerned sometimes with, you know, I'm not saying don't be concerned if someone is, is hurt. You, you're there to help them. But don't be too concerned what God is doing, telling them to do. Because as Jesus said, really, that's not your business. That's my business. I'm dealing with you. We're called to serve and we're called to be in one body. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are still one body in Christ. And we all need each other. Amen? We all need each other. And everyone members one of another. If a part of your body stops working, you're still going to die. You know that? You may, you may be the head, but if the, if the liver stops working, although you can't see it and it's hidden, it has a necessary function. You know what happens? You're eventually going to die. You need to make sure that liver's working just as well as every other part of the body. About three years ago, I was lifting up a snowblower, and I gave it a big old tug. And I didn't feel any pain, but apparently I, I ripped the tendon in this finger here, and it wouldn't move. I could curl these ones, and this one was just hanging there. And I ignored it for a while because I didn't really know what I had done. I thought, it's strange. But it'll, and for about two or three days, I ignored it. But finally, I realized something was wrong. <laughs> had to go figure out what was wrong. Right? You can't ignore something that's part of the body. And that's why we are a church. We serve one another. Right? You don't see someone, you call them. You encourage them. I'm praying for you. Is there anything I can do to help? Amen? So we being many, although we're individually many, the Bible tells us we are one body in Christ. And everyone members one of another. Having then gifts differing. Yes, we have different gifts. I, I don't have your gift of street ministry, Sister Johnny. I wish I did. And, and somebody else may have a different gift. I can't sing. I would empty the church if I started to sing. Even, even the joyful noise group would, would go. <laughs> I can't sing. That's not my gift. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that God has given us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait. That means, when it says wait, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean wait. It means to serve. That's why we call them a waiter. Not that they're waiting, but they're waiting on us. They're serving. So in this case, it says let us really serve on our service or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. See, we're all been given different roles and different gifts. Some of you multiple gifts. And we're all called to serve. Did you know that? We're all called to serve. If you could stand with me. Amen. I hope you have been blessed by this lesson this morning. And I challenge you, tomorrow morning when you wake up, instead of asking God for stuff, 
ask God what we can do to serve. Wouldn't that be amazing? Our day may go better. God may open some doors we weren't going to see because here is someone who wants to be a servant today. Lord, how can I be a blessing to you? How can I be used by you? How can I serve? And then all the rest of the stuff will fall into place. That's what the Bible is telling us, for we are a body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. And we serve through love, not through coercion, not through being forced. We do it with joy. And if we do that with joy, then we have God's favor and his blessing, because we're going to be about our Father's business. Jesus, as a 12-year-old, when they found him, he said, didn't you know I had to be about my Father's business? And we're called to be about our father's business. And as the very first verse we read, our focus verse, he said that if you want to serve, you have to be humble about it. Amen. So that we can be rewarded openly. But if we do it publicly and we want all the glory, then that's not how it's going to work. Amen. As we close this Sunday school service, I hope that you will be challenged to ask God, how can you be a servant? How can you be used? And I'm sure God will give you a testimony. Amen. You'll have a great week. You'll have a wonderful... Lord, I'm not going to ask you for a single thing. Now, for some of us, that will be hard because that's all we do. Lord, we we need you to fix this. this. This is in trouble, Lord. I need you. God knows all of that. You're not updating him. You're not informing him. Bible says he knows stuff you don't know. He knows the number of hairs that are on your head. Right? He says, though, give no thought for these things. Instead, our prayer should be one of thanksgiving and Lord, use me. What is your will for me today, Lord? How, how can I be a blessing and help someone else? Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you today for your great mercy and your grace and your love. Lord, help us to be called to be your servant. Lord, that we will find a place of service. Lord God, that we can use the gifts that you have given us in humility, O God. Lord, we just thank you today for filling this sanctuary with faith. Lord Jesus, Lord God, we invite your presence, O God, in our next service, Lord, that you will have, O God, liberty to move, to touch hearts, O God, to change lives, Lord Jesus. Pray this week, Lord God, that you will use us, Lord God, that you will put us in a place of service to you, O God, that we can be truly a part of your body. Let your love flow through us, O God. Help us to be an influencer, Lord God, to touch other people's lives when they see you in us, Lord God. We lift up your name today, Father, Lord God. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord Jesus, and we give you all of the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. If you could give God a praise offering right now. Hallelujah.